Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Real Estate Investor Goddesses podcast. I'm your host, Monique Hom, and I am here with another incredible real estate investor goddess. On this show, we interview women who are killing it in real estate, and our guest today most certainly is. Kathy Betke is co-CEO of the Real Wealth Network and best-selling author of Retire Rich with Rentals. She's an active real estate investor, a licensed real estate agent, a former mortgage broker, and a former mortgage broker specializing in helping people build multi-million dollar real estate portfolios that generate passive monthly cash flow for life. So good. With a passion for researching real estate market cycles, Kathy is a frequent guest expert on CNN, CNBC, Fox, Bloomberg, NPR, CBS Market Watch, and the Wall Street Journal. So excited. She's also a guest today on the Real Estate Investor Glasses podcast, which totally fits with all those other ones. She was also named among the top 100 most intriguing entrepreneurs by Goldman Sachs two years in a row. She hosts two podcasts herself, The Real Wealth Show and Real Estate, Real Estate News for Investors. They're both top 10 podcasts on iTunes, and they're both awesome. You should definitely check them out and subscribe if you don't already. And her company, Real Wealth Network, offers free resources and cutting-edge education for beginning and experienced real estate investors. She's passionate about teaching others how to create real wealth, which she defines as having both the time and the money to live life on your terms. This is definitely a, a fellow, a, a kindred spirit um, in that regard, because that's totally what I'm passionate about, too, and I'm so excited to have her here. Welcome, Kathy. Thank you for having me. I, I love being called a goddess real estate investor. <laughs> <laughs> well, you most certainly are, so it, it totally fits. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, you know, we're going to share your story today, and I, I like to start at the beginning. How did you get started in real estate investing? Uh, totally by accident, really. Um, Rich and I helped my parents out when they had a 1031 exchange and were uh, freaking out because they didn't know they had one. <laughs> they were investors in a, uh, a, a partnership in an apartment, and the mm-hmm. manager sold it and didn't tell them, and they ended up uh, okay. with a notice in the mail that they had two weeks left before they could do the exchange. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so I just, you know, I think Rich and I had just been married, and I, I said, well, so your biggest problem right now is you just have to find a property, and has to be worth five hundred thousand uh, dollars. You know, I I can do that. We just got married. We'll be your tenant. I just <laughs> went and looked, and I found the the perfect house. It could be turned into a duplex, or actually, a, a, a triplex uh, because it had an in law unit and another unit that could be rented out. So we just went on Craigslist and and uh, actually asked some friends, and they moved in, and and we moved into this gorgeous four thousand square foot brand new home right outside of San Francisco, um, and we're living there for less than, you know, living in a dumpy little place in Oakland. <laughs> and, uh, so everything I... in our lives changed. We became landlords. Okay, awesome. So what year was that that you started, you got the 1031 exchange and that triplex? Yeah, that was 97, and we just told Dad, listen, we'll take care of everything. You'll never have to deal with this property, and uh, someday we'll inherit it. And uh, and we'll refinance and and give you back anything you ever put in it initially, 
And so wow. it went from them having to pay, um, you know, three or 400000 in taxes at a time when he was trying to retire to all of a sudden we paid him back any money he had put into the former investment. And I think it was in a month the property had – not a month. Within a year the property had gained quite a lot of value. And so because we bought at the bottom of the market without knowing, we had no idea. But um, we refied, paid him a you know bunch of money, a few hundred thousand. So he went from having to pay the IRS to getting paid. <laughs> so it worked out well for everyone. That is the beauty of real estate. I love it. So, and I, I know a little bit more about your story. So what happens next? You had a pretty <laughs> dramatic, um, dramatic yeah. other entry into real estate and under your own account. Yeah, yeah. So here we had, um, you know, refinanced, took on a bigger note, even though it wasn't in our name. So we weren't even getting tax benefits. But, uh, you know, we had this huge mortgage payment and, um and Rich, but Rich's career was totally taking off. He had written a book called Extreme Success, and he was a world-class. So he was really at the top of his game, and we had two kids in this new house, and everything was just fabulous until he came home from the doctor and was told that he had melanoma, and they thought it spread into his liver, and if that was the case, he would have six months to live. So all that wonderfulness just dissipated in a minute, in a second, you know, um, and then we just had to scramble as, as anybody does when they, you know, when life hits them and life does it, <laughs> you know, it's just, you yeah. know, I mean, in this case, he'd been a bodybuilder and fried his redheaded skin, um, you know, too many times and, and the consequence was uh, skin cancer. And so, uh, we burned through our savings and, you know, we've done everything right, 10% savings and 10% in investments and, you know, all these things, um, but what, uh, sorry, there's a big jet going by. <laughs> um, no worries. But, I hear uh, you. It's fine. <laughs> all right. But uh, he, he, I just, I had a radio show at the time. I was a, I was a news writer at ABC7 and Fox News in San Francisco. But I also had a radio show that I suddenly changed uh, the topic to how do I make money now? Because I knew I had to take over the finances and so that he could get better. And um, and so I just started interviewing people like, like you're doing. And because I was on the San Francisco station, I was able to pretty much interview anybody I wanted to. So I just started bringing on guests like, like Robert Kiyosaki and Dennis Kaminsky and just big names, multimillionaires to find out how they you know, what they're doing and how they did it. And, you know, I wanted to talk to people who made money on their own and, and not trust fund kids because that wouldn't help me. But, like, how did you do yeah. it? And up until then, I'd never cared. Didn't matter. I didn't work for money. I worked for doing things I like to do. And, boy, that was a game changer. But uh, I learned. I learned on my show. And in the process, a lot of people apparently wanted the same information because our show took off at that point. So you're interviewing these big names, and what are they? What were they saying? Well, the um, that was the exciting thing. Is first and foremost, I was now broke because Rich wasn't really working as much, and um, for obvious reasons. And you know, if you have six months to live, probably you're not going to be spending it working. So you're going to spend it with your two babies and your wife and your friends. And so I thought, okay. 
you know, we're, I'm going to figure this out. And so I started desperately looking for sponsors for the show, and I ended up with a mortgage broker as a sponsor. And the way I got him was I told him, because I got so many no's, nobody wanted to sponsor until I said, all right, I'll let you be my co-host. And I brought in this oh. amazing mortgage broker. Yeah, I just kind of got desperate at that point. Like, I'll give the show away if someone will pay me. And um, and I got this mortgage broker to, to pay a whole bunch of money. And that that was a game changer for us, too. But then all of a sudden I came home and said, oh, my gosh, honey, I'm a total sellout. Now I have to do a show on mortgages and no one's going to listen anymore. And and he, we laughed and, and then he, and then Rich said, well, why don't you make it human interest and find out what his clients are doing with all those mortgages? And I said, good idea. And it turned out that this mortgage broker had a lot of clients who invested in an in investment property. So pretty soon I was just invest, uh, just interviewing his clients and they were buying homes and, and um, doing kind of what we did, renting them out and then selling them and getting the two hundred and fifty thousand or five hundred thousand dollars gain tax free and and uh flipping homes and renting homes and I pretty soon it was like, Oh my gosh, this is the most interesting show in the world because we're finding out what people are doing <laughs> with mortgages. And it again, I wasn't the only one interested. I, I had no idea that how leverage worked until then. And so suddenly our phones were ringing off the hook with people who wanted mortgages. So my uh my part, my co-host said, "Hey, go get your your, uh, your real estate license and take all these mortgages." And so, in a month, I had my real estate license, and I was one of the busiest mortgage brokers in uh, San Francisco. And suddenly, our financial problems were gone because you made a whole lot of money back then <laughs> in mortgages. Yeah, amazing. Okay, so <laughs> it's, it's amazing how the the universe just guides you through this. I'm sure that was the last thing you expected to be doing. Um, oh, you know, guys, you kicking and screaming. So I, I was like <laughs> resisting the whole thing. <laughs> like, I don't want to do mortgages, but I loved it. <laughs> so then when did you start investing yourself? So once I, you know, found out, and this was, of course, a very rare and unique time in U.S. history where, um, banks just felt like giving anybody a loan, whether it was a primary mm-hmm. residence or an investment property. So I learned this from all these people I was interviewing that anyone could go out and get a loan and that I could give anyone a loan And now that I was a mortgage broker. So I just kind of learned the tricks of the trade and could do our own. And so I was able to refinance that house and um, and we took several hundred thousand out and bought about eight properties in Dallas, Texas. And the reason for that is that Robert Kiyosaki had been on the show and he was the one who taught me about market cycles and, and said, you know, right now with all these easy loans, uh, people are, you know, getting into properties they can't afford and there's going to be a fallout, but that's not the case in Texas where values are 26% undervalued and, and there's jobs and, and population growth unlike California. So he said, I'm selling everything in California and buying in Texas. So we said, well, if, if it's good enough for Kiyosaki, we're going to do it. And we, um, <laughs> we just refied. And with my leverage knowledge, I got us, you know, as many loans as we could get, which was at that time unlimited with no money down in some cases. It was crazy. It was so easy to get loans. Wow. Stated income uh, investor loans at 100% financing. <laughs> it was easy. So we just, yeah. That's so crazy. Did. Oh my gosh! Amazing. So you got these 
five properties and I mean, sorry, eight properties in Dallas. Mm -hmm. And now you're doing something pretty different. So tell us about Real Wealth Network and how what you're investing in right now. Sure. Well, you know, at the time, all of a sudden the show took off and um, we had just Rich, Rich said one day, hey, there's this new thing called, a, you know, iTunes. <laughs> this is dating <laughs> me. But, um, and they do this thing called podcasts, and we can take your radio show and just put it on this iTunes thing, and, and let's see about that. And so Rich took my shows and put them on iTunes, and suddenly that's when things just took off, and we had listeners in 27 countries and, you know, all over the world just overnight the first people to do this thing called podcasting. And um, and so from there, I kind of became somewhat known in the field of real estate, even though I was brand new to it and didn't know it very much. But all these real estate clubs started inviting me to come speak and, and MC their events. And so I would go to these events and I would just be sick to my stomach because I'd be sort of affiliated with them if I was the MC. But I could see that they were just totally ripping people off. And I, oh. I was like oh, there needs to be, you know, back then there weren't, there wasn't, there weren't podcasts and there weren't, there wasn't easy access to education. So people would set, you know, be selling boot camps and a lot of these boot camps were not really with legit information. And even though they'd be like 10 or $20,000, you know, the back of the room pressure stuff. And yeah, so I thought I just, I need to be able to create an investment club that isn't ripping people off like that, that just provides information and a network of people who are doing real deals and not selling boot camps. And so, you know, Rich and I just said, let's just start meetings. And I think the first one had maybe one person in the audience. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and then we just have kept and held our promise that, you know, it's a, there's never back of the room sales. We don't sell education. It's just people, you know, presenting deals and, networking and and um, growing mostly just growing our financial savvy together and we we still do it and we just did an event on Saturday in, in San Francisco and there was over 400 people registered which was awesome kind of sold out in LA and San Diego as well uh, so we was at the just, LA event it was awesome oh, yeah, you were there yes you were there yeah so great we're just thrilled we're just thrilled and so yes we still you know back when I followed Kiyosaki's advice and we went to Texas and bought a bunch of properties. He mentioned it on the show and then our phones were blowing up with people saying, I want to do that. I want to do what you did. And I thought, well, you know, use my, use my resources. Here's my agent. Here's my property manager. Here's my mortgage broker, which at the time was me, <laughs> you know, it's awesome. <laughs> and, um, and here's my insurance agent. And I would just kind of put together a, a done for you real estate package in Dallas and, then we would go, you know, like, okay, we want to diversify, so we'll go to another market. And then people say, well, who's your team there? And then we thought, okay, this is becoming a business. And so technically we were the, the first, we kind of created the turnkey model back then mm-hmm. uh, as people just wanted to kind of know what we were doing and, and do it as well. That's awesome. It's amazing. <laughs> That's so cool. And then the market so, fell apart. And so then it all came to a, a crashing halt. <laughs> And then 2008 <laughs> happens. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, how did you deal with that? Well, it's tough to be uh, in real estate when real estate has its worst, uh, you know, crash, second second worst crash in history. And so 
Um, it, it was hard, but on the positive side, uh, I had really helped a lot of people sell their California property at the peak, and I got them into Texas mm-hmm. property, and those people did not even feel a recession. What they got was quadrupled their cash flow, and they didn't lose a penny. I have one mm-hmm. uh, story in my book, Retire Rich with Rentals, where this woman had three properties in Stockton, and I was like, man, you got to sell those, and <laughs> you can exchange them for um, like 10 properties in Dallas and quadruple your cash flow. And she did it. And she came back to me and said, Oh my gosh, I, I have so much cash flow now. I can quit my job. And I hated my job. And it's the mm-hmm. happiest day of my life. And then, like a year later, the, the person who bought those properties from her uh, did not have the same happy story because those Stockton properties went from 400000 down to 100000 in a matter of, you know, about a year. So clients who listened to me did really well. And uh, those that kept their California properties, not so much. Um, yeah. So, you know, there were a lot of things we did perfectly. And then the things that we didn't do so well was keep our California properties, which at the time we had $2 million properties, one we lived in and one we, that one I got from my dad. I just couldn't, after he died, I just was attached to it. I had my children and I kept it, even though I told everyone else to sell. And um, yeah. we rented it and it went from, we bought. We paid five hundred thousand. It appraised for one point eight million at the peak. Should have sold it then when I told everybody else to sell, but we didn't. And then it went down to eight hundred again. So we lost about, um, you know, a million dollars not listening to myself. <laughs> mm. oh. Well, you still made money off of the property, but you didn't make as much. We as still you made could have. money. Well, kind of because we had refied and taken cash out and bought the Texas property, so we were upside down, but. You know, um, yeah. so was everybody else, right? <laughs> yeah, they sure were. So um, <laughs> I feel like you, you know, as as investors, as people, right, we learn a lot more from our mistakes than we do from when things are smooth sailing. So what was your sure. biggest mistake in your real estate investing career and what did you learn from it? Yeah, well, you know, losing money when it's your money is a bummer but losing other people's money is way worse for many reasons and so um, (laughs) so uh, when um, when the crash happened I had a developer come to me and say you know I I listen to your show and I'm I'm one of these guys that the banks come to every single time there's a recession to unload their deals because they don't know what to do with them and being a 40-year veteran developer he knew his stuff and and he said, so I've got th- this deal in uh, in Portland uh, that we could get for $3 million that, you know, the loan alone was $13 million. They were almost complete, and uh, there was going to be a huge profit. So I did that deal, and we, we ended up raising the $3 million with one email. Um, and I wow. didn't really know the rules around raising money, so I, <laughs> I didn't have a CPM <laughs> or anything. But, but that, that all went great. Nobody gets upset if you do things wrong, if they make money. So, you know, nobody yeah. was like, Hey, you didn't give me the right offering documents because they made 25% per year during the worst part of the recession. But then a mistake I made was I thought, Oh gosh, that was easy. And I had another guy come to me with a similar situation, uh, 10 townhomes in Oakland in the Oakland Hills that uh, had gone to foreclosure and they were almost complete and we could get, you know, the same thing, all these, these homes in the hills 
the best school districts in Oakland overlooking the Bay Bridge and, and the, the Bay. And, it, you know, they were, it was just the steal of the century. So I was like, hey, what's so great in Portland? We'll do this, you know, we'll do this deal here in Oakland. And difference-wise, the Portland developer was a 40-year veteran with a track record of success and a private jet and a yacht to prove it. And the other guy <laughs> was a flipper, you know, and mm. um, and so he was good at flipping, but he had never bought a subdivision that wasn't complete and that had been, you know, a foreclosed subdivision. It's a different animal. But we didn't know that. Yeah. We just thought we were flipping property, you know. And so, yeah. again, same thing. I raised the money immediately, like with one email. And, um, you know, we, we acquired these amazing properties for like 300, you know, if you know Oakland Hills, you're going to be like, wow, how could you go wrong on this? We bought these properties for $300,000, you know? Beautiful, wow. beautiful homes, yeah. Um, but then everything went wrong. Everything went wrong. The, the city of Oakland didn't have the documentation, and since we had bought them in foreclosure, they, the bank didn't have it. So the, the city came back and said, hey, we don't even know if these, these houses were built properly, and so you're going to have to go and uh, prove that the foundations were done correctly. It's like, but the house is already there. You know, you approved it. So how, how are we going to do that? Well, you got to dig down. And it was going to cost a million dollars just to check to see that the foundations were correct when it's like, you guys should have this paperwork, but they didn't. And so uh, that took about six months of trying to figure out what to do. And we literally tracked down the original developer who had disappeared because he lost everything. He was a waiter in a restaurant in San Jose. And uh, no. we found him, and he had the documents. And I wrote a check for ten thousand dollars and said, "If you'll take this ten thousand dollars and give me those documents, you'll be you'll be my my favorite person in the world." <laughs> my hero did. <laughs> yeah. But oh, by wow. then we were six months delayed, and and that caused uh, then by then the um um what am I trying to say? The building codes had changed, so the city would come and say, "Hey, these staircases are eighth of an inch." different than today's code, so you're going to have to rip them out and put in new ones. So it's just a nightmare. And, and so, you know, I, I, I blame it on the fact that the part, my partner at the time hadn't ever, you know, fit, completed the subdivision, whereas the, the first developer I worked with had done, you know, dozens, if not hundreds. So, um, yeah. so what we do now is only work with people who have a tremendous amount of um, experience under their belt in the exact thing that we, that we're doing and nothing else. (laughs) Yes. So that was, that was tough. Yeah. That was a great lesson to learn. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, one of the, it's also something I've learned and, and a mentor tell me, work with the best. They won't cost money. They will make you money. Um, Right. Yeah. Need to work with people who really, really, really know what they're doing. So that's good advice. Yeah. Um, well, the, then my next question is kind of the flip side. Where are you most proud of? Oh, hopefully it'll be a shorter answer than the one. <laughs> um, what I'm most proud of is that now we are an investment group with 36,000 members and growing by about 1,500 a month. Um, and as a wow. result, we are in just the most unbelievable deals, untouchable deals that no, very few people could ever do on their own. We have some of the best investors in the world coming to us with projects that it's my, it's mind blowing. And most people would say that doesn't exist. And so we're, we're just in a, a position where uh, we, we can help 
regular folks, so to speak, get into deals that they would never know about. And because yeah. of my notoriety at this point, I, I negotiate really exceedingly good terms for the investors that normally, I mean, to this day, people say, why do you give so much away? You know, you could give 8%, people would be happy. And to me, it's like, well, no, because they're putting up the money, they should get more of the of the goods. And so we, you know, a lot of times it's a 15% preferred return uh, rather than eight, because, you know, I, it's like share the wealth, dudes, you know, <laughs> these are the people putting up the yeah. money. So, yeah, so I'm proud of that. And I'm proud of being one of the few women in the industry. And I am proud of you for that and for uh, making the path for us that are following behind you. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, really inspiring. Um, Okay, I have one last question before we get into the Trinities. But um, what advice do you have for a woman who's just starting out in this field today? Oh, you know, I don't know um, when it happened, but at some point I think my struggle, my personal struggle has spoken to a lot of other women. And and so, you know, the advice I have is that you are wise beyond your understanding of how wise you are. And, and nobody, you're not going to be able to explain it sometimes. You just know. And, um, and so no, just take your power. Um, I, I say this because my mother, who knew nothing about investing at all, would say to my father back in, um, you know, when I was young in the 70s, I know, I know, I'm dating myself again, but, um, <laughs> but you know, she, she would say, you know, we, we bought a house in Atherton, California for like $99,000, a full acre, and uh, my mom, I remember my mom saying, oh, you know, we should buy more of these, and, and my dad saying, oh, you know, Barbara, that's just crazy talk, and but you know, and then they didn't. And today, you know, the minimum, the median price of a home in Atherton is four million dollars. So she was right. Oh, wow. Um, and, and then another time, you know, we sat down and a, a close relative of ours said, "Hey, you know, I'm an angel investor in this thing that's like make you find things faster on the internet." And you know, everybody's in the room just staring at it and saying, "But." the AOL is like really fast and why would you need anything <laughs> faster? We've never had anything so fast. And, you know, my mom whispers over to my dad, we should just really buy some. He seems so, so credible. And, Oh, Barbara, you know, okay, we'll just buy a little. And, and of course <laughs> the, uh, that was Google. I think you can, so we could have been uh, first that was in. a pretty good investment. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and so it, uh, 10 10x overnight and and they said well that sounds like a good time to sell (laughs) (laughs) anyway so in answer to your question is uh sometimes you don't know why you know certain things but uh as a woman just trust your intuition and maybe to help others see it uh, get the data to back it up uh because a lot of times you know if my mom had said um more than just this sounds like a really good idea, but laid out the reasons why, then he might have listened to her. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Such great advice. Ah, love it. Love it. Um, how, what's the best way for people to reach you and find out more about what you do? Uh, sure. Realwealthnetwork.com. Real like real estate, wealth like your money, and network like the network we have uh, nationwide. So great deals. Mm-hmm. And it's free to join. 
And then also I have the Real Wealth Show still on iTunes and, like you said, Real Estate News. All right. Awesome. So you can go there to find out more about the Real Wealth Network and to hear the awesome podcast. So we have time for a quick trinity, um, which is how we end every show. It's a brag, a gratitude, and a desire. So what's one thing you're celebrating right now? Give us one brag. Ah, that's easy. Um, Rich and I just celebrated our 20th anniversary and oh, 21 years of marriage. Yeah, and I'm just, it takes a lot, especially when you work together. Uh, so, and, yeah. and the, the funny thing is we are um, happier and, and more in love than ever. And some of that comes from saying, hey, we've been married 20 years and we've been investing in a lot of things, but not so much into our marriage. So let's just make this our investment this year. And we did counseling, and a lot of people say, why would you go to counseling if you don't need it? Because you won't need it if you go do it before you need it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and then we took some Tantra classes, and we just really just invested in our marriage, and it worked, and we're just happier than ever. Mm, so well bragged. Love it. And what is one thing you're grateful for? Um, I am so grateful for uh, that I have two daughters I've been working like uh, a lot and traveling a lot for the last 10 years. And, um, and so my husband co-parented in a big way, like many fathers are doing these days. And, and so the result is two just awesome daughters. And I'm most proud of that Mm. and grateful. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, you should be. They're awesome. Well, uh, the one I know is awesome. And I know I bet the other (laughs) one too. Um, So what is one thing you desire? Hmm. Well, you know, when we moved to Malibu, we bought the tiniest house in Malibu. It's a one bedroom, one bath. And I love to entertain. So my first thought was, hey, I'm just happy to be able to live in Malibu, even if it's tiny. And if I have friends, we'll go on the beach. But um, but now I'm desiring space to entertain. So that's that's Mm. next. All right. So shall it be or so much better than you can ever imagine under grace and in perfect ways. Yes. <laughs> All right. Oh. Well, thank you so much, Kathy. This was awesome. Um, I loved hearing your story. I, I'd heard bits of it before, but um, we I, I learned so much more. And, um, It's super inspiring. So thank you very much for your time. And um, all of you out there listening, join us next week for another amazing real estate investor goddess story. And um, again, if you want to connect with uh, or find out more about what Kathy does, you can go to realwealthnetwork.com or check out her shows, The Real Wealth Show and The Real Estate News for Investors podcast. And to connect with me, go to the Real Estate Investor Goddesses dot com website it's just real estate investor goddesses all one word dot com and you can get the free ebook the real estate success blueprint several seven crucial steps every woman must take to be a successful real estate investor thank you all and have a great week we'll talk to you next time bye thank you